Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. With all that said, I want to introduce today's guest speaker. He's new to the South Hills family, but has added so much to who we are and what we're doing and the future of where we're going. He's our central director. His name is Jeff, and he is a big bundle of energy. And I'm excited as he lays the groundwork stage for this series. So let's do it right. Let's give him a proper South Hills Corona welcome. Would you stand onto your feet and make some massive noise for your guest speaker today, Senior Jeff Fernandez. Oh, Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, I hope I don't disappoint everybody this morning. Here comes the mediocre message. (laughs) Thanks, Digital Adam. Oh, Corona, I'm so glad to be with you all this morning. Like Adam said, my name is Jeff. I serve on what's called our central team here. And if you don't know what that is, uh, central team actually serves all 10. Believe it or not, there are 10 South Hills campuses, you guys, which is very, very exciting. And we recently launched one in Virginia. There's a campus in Idaho, uh, all the way up to Santa Clarita, down to Dana Point, and of course, the Corona Crew, which is absolutely incredible to be a part of. And I've been hanging out with you guys for the last five weeks. And one of the best things about being with you guys is simply being with you guys and getting to know you and getting to know the story of what God is doing uniquely at this campus. And the thing I love so much about South Hills, by the way, I'm telling, I'm saying this especially to the people who are, who are checking out church. Uh, something that's really unique about our church is that God is writing a common story with all 10 campuses, but all of them are very, very unique. And so it's just an honor and a privilege to be a part of that. And so if you're checking out church, this is the type of church you want to be a part of. If you've been here for a long time, well done and thank you. Uh, Like Adam said, my name is Jeff. Uh, I'm married to my wife, Heidi. Uh, She's in New York City right now. She's doing a a coffee trade show or whatever, so she's having the time of her life. She got to see Ben Platt on Broadway, told me she, you guys don't even know who that is, but she, I barely know who that is, and she said that she cried five times. So she's out there. She's like a theater buff. We have a a two-and-a-half-year-old little boy uh, named Judah Banks. Everybody calls him by his first and middle name, Judah Banks, and then we actually have another little boy along the way due May 11th, which we're very excited about. I just have to talk about, you know, my kids and everything, and the message is going well so far. Uh, But uh, just a little bit more about me. Uh, I love cooking. I love cooking for people. I love eating food. I also love, uh, that's right, clapping for eating. There we go. I also love, uh, I love, I love movies because I love storytelling. And one of my favorite uh, actors of all time, uh, not just as an adult, but even as a little kid growing up, is Jim Carrey. I, I, I was always so enamored and fascinated by Jim Carrey and the characters he played. And, and actually, I loved later on when he kind of got into some more serious movies. And then later on in his life, he started getting kind of weird, you know, if you guys have ever seen some interviews with him. But Jim Carrey actually uh, said this a few years ago. He said, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and everything they dreamed of 
so they can see that's not the answer. Now, when Jim Carrey said this, he got a little bit of backlash because some people said, well, you know, that's easy for you to say. We're the ones without money, and you're the one with money. But what I would say to that is, well, he's probably the most qualified to say this because he is rich and famous, right? But here's my response whenever I read this. I wish everyone could get rich and famous and everything that they dream of so that they can see it's not the answer. Yeah, you know, that sounds really nice, but can I at least try it out? <laughs> you know, everybody tells me money does not buy happiness, but like, can I at least try it? Can I figure it out for myself? Can I be disappointed on my own terms? You know, I, I, can't, I can't simply listen to the wisdom of people who actually have the credibility that have been there. I want to fail myself in the realms of being rich, you know? And so I realize, it, it, kind of parallel to that, I do so much of that with God. Oftentimes I'm, flipping through the scriptures or praying and getting these nudges in my heart where God is saying, my son that I love very much, listen to me. You should obey me. I'm saying, yeah, but can I try all the other options and fail first? Because yours sounds like it might work, but it doesn't sound that fun. And I find myself doing that with God, who, by the way, is a lot more qualified to speak on wisdom than Jim Carrey and a lot smarter than me. And as I was preparing for uh, uh, this message, but particularly to kick off the next four weeks for for you guys, uh, as we're going to be talking about money, I realized that I can probably, at my best, motivate you to be generous once. That's the best I can do. But God can actually do a transformational work in your heart. So let's pray, not because we can, but also because we should. God, we come to you this morning, and I pray that we would open up our hearts to you, that we would open up our ears, be willing and ready to receive what you would have for us, And that we wouldn't simply just receive, but that we would be people full of courage that would respond to what you are nudging us and what you are moving us towards. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, like Adam was hinting at, we're kicking. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. That's why Adam uses the podium. Look at this thing. I'm stronger than I thought. Strongest pastor over here. Uh, so, like, like Adam said, we're kicking off this series called Economic Atheists. Economic Atheists. With the subtag, why people trust God with eternity, but not their money. How is that? Ouch. Right? So, why people trust God with eternity, but not money. And, and I don't know about you, but when you tend to look at the, the landscape of churches, oftentimes we can, we can see these churches that talk a lot about money. They love talking about money. They're the ones that are kind of on TV. They say weird things and this and that. Uh, but I tend, I tend to find that those are kind of rare, even though that they're very prevalent. Uh, but most, most churches that I've come across tend to shy away from wanting to talk about money. Why? Because it makes us uncomfortable. And to be honest, as I was preparing for this message as well, I started feeling that same thing. 
I started feeling like, oh man, is there going to be that person out in the seats that's going to be like, hey, you know, we usually don't talk about this in church. Like, church isn't usually like this. You know, have you ever brought your, your friend or your family member that never goes to church, and then something weird happens in church, and you're like, oh, this, it's usually not like this, you know? It's, come back next week. It's usually not like this, you know? And, and so I started feeling that as, as we were approaching this subject in this entire four weeks in regards to money. I started feeling I started feeling this caving in. And as I started praying and as I started preparing... These two words felt like God just put right in my heart. These two words. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being a heavenly father that loves his kids so much to the point where you talk about stuff that matters. You have a lot to say about money because it's powerful. And it has an effect on us. And because you love us, you have something to say about it. So thank you. Thank you. And with that, you have to start with the foundation, church. You have to start with the foundation going into these four weeks that God actually and truly loves you. You have to. Why? Because if you step into things of obedience, it's going to be like pulling teeth. Obedience will be brutal if you do not have a foundation that God loves you. Discipleship is exhausting if you do not think that God loves you. It will feel legalistic. But the good news is that he really does love you. And if you don't know that, I'm here to tell you that. God really does love you. And so everything that he says in the scriptures is out of his love for you. Everything that he prescribes to you, everything that he even commands you to do, everything that he asks you to obey, ooh, that's a hard word, it's out of his love for you. So if you're a Christian, hopefully our response can be, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having something to say. So the goal for this series and this entire series is that we would trust God with what he calls us to now. Not just where he calls us to when we die, but we actually have things to do now. We have trust. We have things to be able to step into, to build our life upon now. Jesus didn't just come to get us into heaven. He showed us how to live now. And that's why we're diving into this series. That's the goal of this series, and that's the heart behind it. So here is the key question, which is also slash my title for today's message. Very, very simple. Why does God even care about money? Why does God even care about money? I'm not going to dance around it. I'm not going to prolong the answer. Very simple. He cares about money because he cares about you. He's been doing really, really well for a very long time without your money. But he cares about money because he cares about you. He cares about his kids. He cares about the effect that it has on you. Everything that he does is because of you, and it's for you. So uh, let's jump into today's content. I got to make sure I don't rip this off again. Uh, 
So let's jump, in, jump into today's content. We're going to be starting in the Old Testament. So uh, we're going to be jumping into the book of Leviticus. If you've ever tried to read the Bible in a year, whenever you get to Leviticus and Numbers, you're like, oh man, this is brutal, you know? But uh, where is Leviticus? Leviticus takes place after the Exodus. What is the Exodus? Exodus is full of action. It is God's chosen people, the Israelites, that were enslaved in Egypt, Okay, And then they were brought out of Egypt. They were rescued out of Egypt by, by God through Moses. And that's where we get Christian Bale as Moses, pretty weird. Or we get Charlton Heston if you're really old school and that's your sort of Moses. Or if you're like a Prince of Egypt sort of Moses and you like Whitney Houston, the cartoon version. Like Basically, the Exodus is full of action. God's people have been delivered. And now, as God's chosen people... They're about to go into the promised land. And God is pulling them aside and saying, hey, now that I have rescued you, my chosen people, I'm going to start to prescribe certain ways that I want you to live. Because you need to look different. You need to act different. And so here we go uh, in Leviticus chapter 18. It's going to be up on the screen, but if you're following along in your Bible, that's a great way to do it too. The Lord said to Moses, starting in verse 1, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live. And you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I'm bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws. For the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. So what is happening? God is laying out a big statement before he gets into the nuts and bolts of how he wants them to live. All derivative of the fact that I am the Lord. What does Lord translate to? Yahweh. It's the name that God uses to name himself, which translates, I am that I am. My translation of that is, I'm the real deal. <laughs> I'm the real deal. This is all because I am the Lord. Now, for an agricultural society where their economic system was based upon their crops, goes on to say this. We're going to jump to uh, chapter 19. We're going to skip a bunch of verses because uh, verse like 6 through all the other verses talks about sex, and we just wrapped up that series. I ain't talking about that today. So... <laughs> Leave that up to Adam. He's a lot smarter than me. Uh, Leviticus 19. So this has to do with their agricultural system and their crops. This is really, really fancy stuff, really sexy stuff over here, you guys. Crops and Old Testament. Here we go. Uh, 19 verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of the field or gather gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Another account in Deuteronomy says this, Deuteronomy 24, verse 19 through 22. When you reap your harvest in your field and have forgotten a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, for the widow, in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive tree, 
You shall not go over the bows again. It shall be for the alien, the orphan, and the widow. Verse 21, when you gather grapes in the vineyard, you shall not go over it again. It shall be for the alien, the orphan, and the widow. Verse 22, this is really, really, really important. You shall remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I am commanding you to do this thing. So God is essentially saying, I want you to do these particular things in this particular way, but really remember three things. Number one, remember that I am the Lord your God. I want you to remember who I am. Number two, I want you to remember who you are. Who are you? You are my chosen people. You are delivered. You are set apart. You are provided for. You are rescued. You are redeemed. So number one, who I am. Number two, who you are. Do not forget. And then number three, where you came from. Where did you come from? You came from being enslaved and stripped of your identity. I want you to see something here. When God lays out these three things, who I am, who you are now, where you came from, all three work within each other. Because who you are now has to do everything with the fact of who God is, right? The most important thing that you can know about your own self is what your heavenly father says about you. That is the most important thing. But also you can never forget where you came from. You can never forget the fact that you were rescued and once you were enslaved. So why did God have them harvest in this particular way? It's kind of weird. Don't go back over the crops another time. Leave a piece of the field for the the foreigner, the alien. Why did God have them harvest in this way? Well, the most obvious way is that it was a way for God to provide for all people. It was a way for God to provide for all people. I read this in a commentary. It's very, very fascinating. Notice he, he, what he doesn't tell them to do. He doesn't, say, he doesn't say, plow your field or collect all the grapes and do everything and then set aside a third or a quarter for the marginalized or the poor. He doesn't do that. He says, you shall not go back and whack that olive tree again, right? I'm paraphrasing. You shall not go back, or if you drop your sheaf that has the grain, you can't go back and go get it. Why? Because he's leaving room for the poor and the marginalized to work, to work. And when they work, they keep their dignity. God is a God of dignity. Did you know that? No matter who you are, he treats people with dignity. And God is so smart. Isn't that fun? I don't know what you think of. Usually, like, when somebody asks me, God is fill in the blank, faithful, good, holy, merciful, grace-filled, powerful. How fun is it to step into the reality that God is smart? God is so smart. The second thing, though, the second thing is the most important thing. It keeps people generous. It keeps the landowners generous. And what do we know about generosity? 
What do we know about generosity? Generosity is always derivative of gratitude. And where does gratitude come from? Humility. Generous people are always grateful. Grateful people are always humble. And here's what's so great about this, you guys. It works the other way around, too. Humble people are grateful. And grateful people are generous. This is why God is always calling his people to be generous, to be abundant in your generosity. Why? Because it will always lead you to humility. It will always lead you back to humility. And humility reminds us of where we came from and where we're going. Where did you come from? Genesis 1 says you are the dust of the earth. You are formed from the dust of the earth. And guess where you are returning at the end of this life? Back there. That should keep you humble. And so if you actually can step into that reality and hold on to it in your heart, you realize, wow, I am formed from the dust of the earth. And literally, this oxygen and this exhaling, this is all a gift from God. And because it's a gift, you know what I say? Thank you. I say thank you. And when I say thank you and I realize where it comes from, you know what I want to do? I want to be generous because I realize it's all a gift. It's all a gift. So if you continue on in chapter 25, uh, we see uh, God talk about six years to sow your fields, but the seventh year to let the land rest. In chapter 27, we see God talk about a tithe which is the mathematical term for one-tenth. We're going to be talking more specifically about those chapters and those subjects in the upcoming weeks. Uh, but one thing I want you guys to notice is that Israel's journey is always marked, even though they're God's chosen people, even though God said, hey, I'm setting, I'm setting you guys aside to be the example to the world so that they can know how good I am. To know, so that they can know how sovereign I am. Even though Israel is God's chosen people, their journey was always marked by trusting God and not trusting God, by doing what God said, not doing what God said, by heeding his wisdom, going their own path. I am so glad we have moved beyond that. Right? <laughs> oh, those silly Israelites. I don't even resonate with them. <laughs> oh, so let's look at Jesus. So Jesus comes on the scene, right? Jesus comes on the scene. God, we had God's chosen people, but then Jesus shows up on the scene. What does Jesus do? Jesus levels the playing field for everybody because of his sacrifice upon the cross and his defeating death. He makes salvation for everybody. The price that he paid was very, very expensive, but it was not cheap. It's free, not cheap. But he levels the playing field for everybody. And he says, you know what? Anybody that would believe in me, that would follow me, now you are God's chosen people. You are part of God's family. You are the people that are going to represent me to the world. Because of what I have done, I have 
wiped out the playing field, and everybody now can have salvation. And also, on top of that, though, I don't want to just get you into heaven. I want to show you how to live fully now. Follow me now. Live like how I live now. Practice the ways that I live now. So what happens when you do that? You're God's holy and set apart. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, actually quotes Leviticus 19. He says this in his book, 1 Peter 1.16, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. There's a fancy word for this, sanctification. Sanctification means you are set apart, but you are set apart, but for a purpose. You know that God, when he calls you out and he says, hey, you are set apart, you are holy, it's not that you are holy set apart so now you can go be isolated and have no interaction with anybody. No, you are set apart for a purpose. Just like Israel was set apart. They were God's chosen people. They were set apart to be different and to live differently, but it was for a purpose. And that's you. That is you. That's me. We're set apart for a purpose. Guys, anything that God does for you is meant to go through you. Anything that God does for you is meant to go through you. If God ever blesses you, it is not meant to simply just stay with you. It's meant to go through you. You're set apart for a purpose. I trust that you take Jesus seriously. And I know that because many of you have put your trust into him in order to make it to heaven. But here's a question. Do you take seriously what Jesus has to say about you? Do you take seriously what Jesus has to say about you? I don't know about you, but for me, it's easy to trust Jesus with the big salvation stuff. But sometimes it's a little bit harder to step into the things that he would say about me too. And Jesus has a lot to say on the subject of money and how it affects our lives, which we don't have time to get into today. Those are for the next three weeks. That's why you need to come back. But I will say this. For a guy that really didn't have that much money, he sure had a lot to say about it, which is great because he loves you. So here's the big idea of today's message. Trusting God means a living according to his wisdom on everything from ethics to economics. And let me say this. Be careful if you're a Christian. Be careful not to confuse God's wisdom and you call it legalism. Do not take something that is God's wisdom to you and say, well, that's just legalistic. Be very careful if you start doing that. I'll give you an example. I dabble around in jujitsu here and there. I'm not that great about it, but I think it's really fun. 
I don't show up to class, the coach, the master, the guy that's instructing the class, and he tells me, hey, Jeff, I know you want to be improving your jiu-jitsu, da-da-da-da, so show up. I want you to do this 20-minute warm-up, do this workout, do this, do this, do this. And me walking in, me being a little peon, not knowing more than him, I don't say, you know what, Coach Johnny, that sounds really legalistic. I don't want to do that. (laughs) No, it's wise of me to heed what he says. And when I want to learn to get better, I obey the master. I don't call it legalism. I'll give you another example, something that happened in my life. Uh, In my early 20s, you guys were like, I thought you look like you're in your early 20s. (laughs) In my early 20s, uh, in my early 20s, I was working at a church, and, uh, and I had made a number of just really stupid decisions, <clears throat> and I was just being dumb. And I had disappointed a lot of people. I'd broken a lot of people's trust. I, I broke a lot of people's hearts, um, and I hurt a lot of people. And so <clears throat> while I was working at this church, they, they said, hey, would you step into a, a path of restoration and reconciliation? And I said, yes. I said, yeah, I would, I would love to do that. I'd love to try to humble myself and, and try to find some reconciliation, restoration with the church and these people and, you know, what I had done, et cetera, et cetera. Details aren't important. But basically, uh, they paired me up with this guy to, to, to walk alongside with me. And long story short, over the course of a few months, things didn't really go that well. We were really inconsistent in meeting. Um, there was a lot of things that just felt like really cloudy. And so uh, the restoration process just kind of faded out. And we realized that's not really what we wanted, which wasn't good. So uh, the guy was replaced by another guy named Brady, Brady Schmidt. And uh, Brady was actually a guy that had walked down the path. He was about 20, 25 years older than me. But he was a guy that actually had walked down the path that I was currently walking down. And he had gone through it. And he'd been through that in his life. And he's walked through a path of restoration. And Brady came alongside me. And I had known Brady for a number of years up until this point. And one thing I knew about Brady, two things. Number one, he had been down the path before. But number two, most importantly, Brady loved me. Brady really loved me. And so we got together consistently. And we would he would prescribe certain things that he wanted me to do. He would want me to meet with a certain person or a couple or whatever, maybe just own up to some of the things that I had done. And it was brutal. It was hard. It was embarrassing at times. Sometimes it felt defeating. But I did everything that Brady said because I knew that everything that he told me was out of love. So the best thing I could have done in all of my stupidity was to simply obey Brady Schmidt. But I was only able to obey him because I really knew that he loved me. I really, really knew that he loved me. And so fast forward a year later, uh, all was well, and then I got to be restored. It was a great moment uh, in my life, and Brady stood along me the entire way. But the obedience only worked 
because of knowing that Brady deeply loved me. And he wasn't doing anything out of manipulation. It was genuine love for me. That's your heavenly father to you guys. And so maybe there are some things ethically, economically, that you guys just haven't been simply doing or obeying or listening to God. That's okay. But I want you to hear today, God is asking you to live a certain way, holy and set apart, because he loves you. It's that simple. Here's the application for today's message. It'll be up on the screen. Choose one way God sees money differently than you. Pray each day this week for God to make his thoughts your thoughts in that area. And you may be wondering, how do I even begin to know how God sees money differently? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) I'm so glad you asked. Uh, Number one, uh, here's how you can know how God sees money differently. Keep showing back up the next three weeks. So this isn't over and done right now, but keep showing back up the next three weeks. Um, Also, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we're posting a prayer or something like that on our Instagram every three weeks. I got the yes from Gretchen on how God sees money differently. So if you don't follow Corona on Instagram, these are like very spiritual applications, right guys? (laughs) Follow Corona on Instagram because it's one of the ways to where it will just give you practical tools on how to pray. The other thing, if you just want to dive deeper, uh, there's a book recommendation that we have that Adam actually put together. These are ways to where God talks about money and ways that these books have actually shaped this series. So if you want to jump ahead and know more, there's ways that you can do that. You can also simply Google Jesus and money. Start finding out what Jesus has to say about money. Another thing too, Google Money and Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is full of wisdom, you guys, full of godly wisdom. And God has a lot to say about money in the book of Proverbs. Step into this. Step into this. It's so worth it. And and some of you, I want to land with this. Some of you guys, a lot of your thinking has ended up tying you up in knots. It's tied you up in knots to say, well, uh, until, until my life looks like this, until my savings account looks like this, until I get these things in order, your thinking has tied you up in knots. And I might just say to you, at a certain point, it's time to simply just start taking action. Do not let your thinking tie you up in knots. When Jesus showed up on the scene, he said, drop your nets, and follow me. At a certain point, it's time to get up and move. And when Jesus says follow, it assumes a few things. It assumes he is moving somewhere. He's going in a direction. And you have to move along with him. That's what following is, you guys. It's proactive. So I'm going to close just by... um, coming back to where we started, then I'll pray and we'll respond in worship, which I'm very excited about. This entire series, this entire subject in regards to money, it's derived from the fact that your heavenly Father loves you. That's it. That he is wise, he's faithful, he is good. And he's not just to be trusted with getting you to a destination. 
a.k.a. heaven, when you die. That's great. Praise the Lord for that. But he's also to be trusted now. Your part is obedience. It is to say, yes, God, I trust that you are smarter than me. You know better than me. You have my best interests in mind, and you want me to live life to the full. So my response, if I'm a Jesus follower, is to simply obey. And if you're not a Jesus follower, my hope is that you would see how worth it this is. But you have to know that he loves you. Let's do this. Let's all stand together. I'm going to pray. Maybe just where you're at. One of the things you can do, it's not like a super magical thing, but maybe just, you want to just close your eyes. And if you can have just maybe your hands out in front of you, just open. This is just a posture of two things. One, willing to receive. And the other, willing to let go. So when your hands are open, it's a way to say, God, I'm open to receiving what you have for me, but also with this posture, I'm willing to let go whatever it is I've been holding on to. Whether it's a preconceived notion about you or a way that I think about a certain subject. God, my prayer right now is that you would bring those things to mind. Is that you would bring those things to mind. You know the hearts of your people. You know what they need. You know every single person here by their name, and you know them deeply. Bring those things to mind, Jesus. My prayer is that we would be a church that has courage to act. The things that you're bringing up in our mind, things we may actually have to start doing, that your spirit would give us the courage to go and do. May we live differently. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.